Amen. Well, who's ready to look into the Word of God together today? Amen. Have you been enjoying the study through Ephesians? This is, I got to tell you, I've been, this is like 26 years of being a lead pastor. This is the most enjoyable series I've ever preached in my life. I preached through Ephesians 17 years ago. You want to know what the good news is? You grow and you learn in 17 years. I look back at some of my old sermons and I go, I can't believe I preached that, Dave. It's like, did I really say that in public? You know. And, uh, and I'm hoping in 17 more years I go, oh man, I've grown and matured even further. But I, like you, I hope I'm really enjoying just the immense wisdom of God coming through the Apostle Paul um, for affecting our real life. And so uh, let's... let's uh, get into our, into our um, sermon today. Today we're going to talk about something in the section of Ephesians that, and I'll explain this what I mean, is quite literally meant to be life-changing. That's how Paul is addressing it. It's quite literally meant to change our lives. Now it's funny, I go through um, every, every week myself and, and um, our, part of our pastoral staff, we meet and we go through different books. And there's a joke kind of that goes on a lot of times because especially you know, Pastor Paul go, yeah, yeah, I know, this is the best chapter ever. And I go, it is. He goes, yeah, because yeah, the point is almost every week I'm like, this is the best chapter ever. And, and I don't want us to think of this like that because I'm like, oh, Ephesians is awesome. And it is, and it's been wonderful and, and God's been ministering to us. But this particular section we're going to look at in a few minutes is quite literally meant to be life-changing. I'm not using hyperbole there. It's meant to change how we live. The Apostle Paul is writing about how we experience transformation in Christ. Quite literally, how we can be changed into the people of great moral character, because that's what he's been talking about in almost all the rest of Ephesians. People of great moral character, living wonderfully blessed lives in Christ. The kind of good and beautiful lives that God so wants for his people. And in order to understand this that he's talking about here, let's once again do as we have been doing each week, put this into its proper context in the book of Ephesians so we can understand Paul's train of thought to get to why he's saying what he's saying at this section and how come it can be life-changing. So this section of Ephesians, or the whole section we're in, is all about God's people who make up the church becoming healthy and mature so that they can and will function together as a body where each individual is valued and involved, right? We've been talking about that a lot in the last number of weeks. And we know that when that happens, it's all for the glory of God. In fact, chapter 3, just the chapter before we're on, talks about that as we live out this genuine Christian life together in the church, diverse people living in loving unity, that we actually reveal to not only people, but all to the heavenly hosts, we reveal the wisdom and the glory of God. That our lives, together as the church, is meant to reveal God's wisdom. It's not just a place to come together and go, wasn't church fun today? That our lives, God says in Ephesians, I've got a purpose for what I'm doing in my church that I'm creating. I'm, try, I'm going to use the church, create it to be this wonderful thing, and through that it will reveal my wisdom and glory to humanity and to all the heavenly hosts. So that shows us how important the church is. A lot of people say, you know, the day of the church is dead. It can't be dead because God's going to use it and is using it to display his wisdom and his glory. In chapter 4, as we've been looking at it, Paul has been explaining how God designed the church to function 
so that we do reveal his wisdom. He says, there are certain ways I want you to operate so that my wisdom will be seen and we function in unity where every person ministers according to the spiritual gifts that God has given them. And Paul goes on then in Ephesians to explain how we as individual Christians should live out our lives within the church so that our lives along with others in the church reveal the reality of us really being transformed in Christ. Now, that's where we find ourselves today. That's kind of the delineation of two whole chapters of Ephesians. That's where we find ourselves today. Paul is writing about how we can live the lives that God desires for us. He says, this is what the life looks like, and now he's saying, let me explain to you how it works. And really what he's talking about in these verses is this word, transformation. That's what he's talking about, spiritual transformation. You and I becoming different than we were before we met Jesus in our lives. You know that's God's plan? I think sometimes we forgot that in the, in the pretty modern church world. God's plan is when you come to know Jesus, your life will be transformed and you will actually be internally and externally different than you were before Jesus was in your lives. You don't get religion, you get transformation. In fact, we're going to find out that the the only way we could ever even live the life that God has for us is through spiritual transformation, that there's no possible way we could try hard enough to make it work. It all has to do with the activity of the Spirit of God within us. So with that foundation, grab your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look today at verses 20 to 24. Ephesians 4, starting in chapter 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in likeness of God has been created in in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now, before we look at this in detail, I want to illustrate what I think a lot of people, including many Christians, think Paul is saying here. Okay? I'm going to use something to try to, to show what, I'm, what I mean. I think what I'm going to show you is what a lot of people honestly believe. Gary, I'm moving your mic. Honestly believe that the Apostle Paul is saying here. But he's not. The only reason I'm grabbing your chair is because I'm old and I can't stand on one foot anymore. I need something to lean on. So, here's what I think people think the Apostle Paul is saying, and I actually thought the Apostle Paul was saying for many, many years, and I've come to learn he's not, he wasn't saying that at all. So, here we go. So, this is what we think. This is you, this is me, in our average everyday life before Jesus, without Jesus, the way I was born, the way I was raised in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, to a beer-drinking, construction-working family that had a little Jesus once in a while. They baptized me, they confirmed me, but my life looked like this. I was full of junk. I was dirty. These are old, dirty coveralls. There's, we do things like there's stealing, there's hate in my heart, and 
what's this one say? Bitterness. Bitterness is over my heart. A bitter person. We watch, look at things we shouldn't watch. Porn and, and uh, we commit adultery and fornication and we lie and we cheat and we steal and we kill and we're full of rage. And I could stand here and I could bring out tape and all of you could write some words on there too and stick them on me, right? Cover me. And we couldn't ever, we'd fill up every square speck of me to describe. This is, so we, we understand this. This is me. This is you before Jesus. Full of all this junk. I'm dirty, I'm filthy. And this is what we think happens to us when we come to Jesus. I come to Jesus and I take this thing and I, it's kind of hard to get off, you know, because it's been on there for a long time and I take it off and I pull this thing off of me and I go, man, it's working. I'm trying not to lie, I'm trying not to steal, I'm trying not to cheat. And I want to put on purity and holiness and good stuff, all this stuff I read about in the Bible. I don't really understand what it means, but, but I read about it in the Bible and I hear people talking this Christian language and, and i got to get that way. And so I put this stuff on, start to put it on. And it looks good, right? Because that was dirty and filthy and old and grimy and a full of oil from changing the oil in the car. And that's been out in the woods hunting a bunch of times. And so... Then I put this thing on, if I can without ripping it. And this becomes the new me, the new you. Does that look better? Should I come to church like this? Well, hold on a second, don't applaud yet. So now I I don't do certain things. I I have some self-control. I try really hard. I try to be good. I try to be good try to be kind. I try really hard to love. The Bible's always talking about love, so I try really hard to love. That's over my heart. I try really hard and I don't cheat anymore. I actually have to report that money in my taxes. Don't cheat. I try to be nice. I try to not lie anymore. I try to not curse. And I go, I've made it. I've been transformed. I'm a new person. Put on the new clean, the white coveralls. I look like everybody else because everybody else has got the white coveralls on. I fit in. I can talk the language now. The big things that define my life aren't there anymore. The lighting, cheating, stealing. I'm trying real hard to be nice. But what's the problem with this? There's a real problem with this. Who said it? It's all on the outside. The problem with this is I'm the same on the inside. That's the problem. Same person inside. Same likes, same passions, same temptations. Just try hard not to do them now. Same hurts, same pain, same insecurities that cause me to do of the lot of the things that I do anyways. And... What happens is, I feel really frustrated because I want to look different on the outside, but I'm the same on the inside. And we talked about last week that that's a recipe for frustration. Well, this is what a lot of people think about Christianity. It's simply a new set of rules 
to live by. Instead of stealing, we try to give to others, or at least we try to not get caught, right? Where before we were vocal and open about our dishonesty and our sin, now we hide it. Instead of lying, we try to tell the truth, and we try real hard to do these things, and what we do is, and this isn't one of them, but we get a bracelet on our wrist. My bracelet is about tending the flame. It's about making sure, helping, reminding me to, to, to cultivate the presence of God. But what a lot of us do, we have a, a bracelet and it says what on it? WWJD. What would Jesus do? And what we do is we try to say, what would Jesus do? What would his actions be? And we try to imitate the actions of Jesus. Well, it's true that Christianity does result in changed behavior. That's true. All those things on there are right and good, and they're all part of the Christian walk. It's true that Christianity does result in right behavior. In fact, the Apostle Paul will give specific examples in the coming verses, as a matter of fact, the whole rest of the book, of some of the behaviors that are to change. He says, instead of, instead of stealing, work hard and make money. Instead of cursing, use your language properly. Christianity does lead to changed behavior, but it doesn't start with changed behavior And this makes all the difference. You see, we as people wish it could start with or be about external behavior because that's something we can do on our own or at least we can try to do on our own or at least we can fake it on our own. But Christian life and the development that is to follow begins on the inside. It is about the transformation of the heart. The transformation of your very being. And that's what Paul is dealing with here in Ephesians 4, 20-24. Because you notice something with me today. We generally overlook this. You see what's sandwiched in between verses 22 and 24? What's verse 22 say? Lay aside your old self. What's verse 24 say? Put on the new self. But what's verse 23 say? In the middle of those two is the key to it all. Verse 23. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I think it's really important here to remember that Paul is writing to people who are already Christians. He's writing to you and me if we're Christians. First and foremost, this was a letter written from Pastor Paul to the churches in that that, in the church rather that he had planted. So this is an instruction to Christians. So this renewing of the spirit of your mind, that sandwich in the middle, cannot simply be a reference to salvation because these people are already saved. So it must be something different than that. What's Paul saying here? He writes, Christians, put off the old, renew the spirit of your mind, put on the new, and he defines it, that it's walking in Christ-likeness, that's the new. Being renewed in the spirit of your mind is the essential key to seeing it work. Paul understands that before external behaviors will really change the mind, the heart, The internal part of man must be renewed or it must be restored to what it was originally meant to be by God. How man viewed God and self and others before the distortion of sin's influence in the world. Being renewed in right thinking about God, being renewed in right thinking about self, being renewed in right thinking about others is transformation. This is what Paul is getting at. That all people have a fractured or inaccurate view of God, self, and others because of sin's influence. And that distorted view causes all kinds of internal 
problems and issues which result in all kinds of external problems and issues. Can I give you an example? So, for example, and this is hypothetical, a person may exaggerate and lie about themselves. Ever meet those people? We all have. We all are that person to some degree. We exaggerate and lie about who we really are. Um, we say, "I've got all the white thing, the white, white, the things on the white jumpsuit on," but really, on the inside, I'm a lot of times I'm the same. But I lie about it, or exaggerate about my life to look good about myself. So a person may exaggerate and lie about themselves, and the reason is. Because of the insecurity that comes from not really knowing that they are unconditionally loved by God. Maybe because of sin's influence, they have not ever really felt the security that should have come from family and friends. So they project that even onto God, that the world's an insecure place. So what do they do? They exaggerate and they lie to try to get others to think well of them. And really, they're simply wanting the security that comes from unconditional love. Now, does this sound reasonable? It's reasonable, right? Now, simply telling that person to put off lying and exaggerating and to put on being honest about themselves won't change a cotton-picking thing, will it? No. But isn't that what we really do, especially in the church world? Well, you're saved now, stop lying. Well, you're saved now, stop watching pornography. And so we give you all kinds of ways that we, you can try to overcome that. You're saved now, so stop the excess of drinking. We say all these things, but does it really work? A lot of times it doesn't. What do they really need first? They need renewal. They need the renewal of the Spirit. As the way Paul says it, the Spirit of their mind. We need to perceive differently. We need to view the world differently. We need to view ourselves differently. We need to think differently. We need to know and believe the truth first. Then we will desire to change in line with what we perceive and believe as right. Right actions will naturally develop as right thinking happens. So back to the illustration. So if I really believe that I am loved by God... And I really believe that I am loved by others in God's family, that you're people who care. And you really express it to me. And I really begin to believe it. And my insecurities begin to lose their grip. And I start, it's slow, but I start to act like I'm loved by God and by others. And one of the ways that could, that, that could be revealed could be that I no longer feel the compulsion the need to exaggerate and lie to make myself look better than I am in hopes of being loved and accepted by other people. The internal change, the renewal of the mind, results in changed external behavior naturally. Does that make sense? But we need to notice something about Paul's saying here. We need to notice how Paul says it here. It's not simply talking about knowledge. That's one of the ways we've tried to address it in the church. We'll just teach people more. He's not talking really about just knowledge here, about learning more. There is a spiritual component that he's talking about here that needs to come first. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
Listen first and foremost about spiritual transformation that only is available after someone comes to Christ by the activity of the Holy Spirit. This is about the activity of the Holy Spirit within us renewing how we see God, how we see ourselves, and how we see others. It's seeing God as he really is, holy and loving and perfect and stable and secure. The unsaved mind and the, and the mind that's not given to transformation can't see and know and understand God. It's seeing yourself as you really are, one in whom Christ dwells and delights, forgiven and lovable and worthwhile, because that's the truth about who you really are. The unsaved mind can't really have a proper self-love, a proper self-love and a God-centered self-worth. It's seeing others the way God sees them. How does God see them? Worth loving, worth forgiving, worth protecting, worth sacrificing for. The unsaved mind can't really value people as image bearers of God. The only way a mind that has been fractured by sin can begin to see these things rightly is by the activity of the Holy Spirit within. That's renewal. And friends, I want you to hear this about renewal today. The renewal that he's talking about, the life change that he's talking about. Renewal is something we must desire. It's something we must partner with. And it's something that we can hinder. To be changed on the inside. I'm not talking, remember, I'm not talking about just putting on the fake external behavior modification that makes me pretend that I'm a good Christian, but I'm not changed on the inside. So the problem is, I don't watch porn anymore, but I still want to watch it. That's not transformation. Transformation is, I don't want to watch it anymore because I found real life in Christ. Or, I don't cheat anymore just because I'm afraid of getting caught, but real transformation says, I don't want to cheat anymore because I'm like Jesus on the inside. Or it says, I have to, I have to love John because God tells me I have to love John. But in transformation, the love of Christ wells up within me and I can't help but love John because it comes from the inside out. That's what Paul's talking about here. That renewal, for that to happen, is something that's Christians, this is to Christians, that we must desire and we must partner with, and it's something that we can hinder. You see, this is not about self-help. That's human effort to put on the external thing. This is about transformation, and transformation only comes from the activity of God within us by the Holy Spirit. It is His work inside of us. He is the one who transforms us. Our part in transformation, is to structure our lives in such a way that the Holy Spirit has access into our lives so that He can bring change. That's what He wants to do in you and me. We create our lives in such a way so the Holy Spirit has an avenue, and avenues, many, to get into our lives and bring transformation. This is why we must incorporate spiritual exercises into the rhythm of our lives. Things like solitude, where the noise and the activity of our overly busy world are put aside and we can just be alone with God, reflecting and listening to Him and asking Him to show us really who we are. Who does He think we are? And what, you know, what, what lies and false beliefs do we really hold on to that He's saying it's time to let go of? Those are things only the Spirit can do. Um, and we need to give him access to do it. It's why we need spiritual activities in our lives like scripture meditation, 
where we go beyond reading for information. Well, I read my, my three verses for today, or I even read my three chapters for today. We go beyond just reading for information, and we allow the Scriptures to reveal things in us and shape our thinking to reveal the heart of God from His Word and through His Word, because that's what His Word is designed to do. It's not meant to be a book of information. It's meant to be a revelation of God Himself to us. There's information in it, and it's God information, but it's meant to be a revelation, so we must meditate on the Scriptures and allow them to breathe into us. Listen, without building opportunities for real um, interaction with the Holy Spirit into your life, you are actually hindering the renewal that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into your life. Now, that's not, that's not fun to say, but it's true. It's what I've learned over the years. That without building opportunities for real interaction with the Holy Spirit, not checking off the boxes, I did my devos today, but genuinely having a passion to interact with God and give Him access into my life, to sit with Him and allow Him to breathe into me, without building opportunities for that real interaction with the Holy Spirit in my life, we are actually hindering the renewal that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our lives. And that, my friend, is the enemy's plan, especially in this day and age. Keep us too busy. Keep us too preoccupied. Keep life too noisy. Keep you believing lies about God and yourself and others. But the Holy Spirit is calling you to a life of renewal. A life lived where he has real access to your available heart. Do you understand what I mean by that? Real access to your available heart. Here's the difference. I can sit in the morning, and I try to do this every day, and I can grab my Bible, and I can say, I've got to read this before I go. And it can be almost a waste of time. Just Now, God's Word is never a waste of time, but it can almost be a waste of time. I'm just plowing through it. No real connectivity to the reality of the divine. Or I can sit there, And not even open my Bible and say, God, I just need to connect with you. No, I need the Bible. But I just need to connect with you first. And I open up my heart to the Lord. And I give him real access to my available heart. That's the whole difference. That's what he's looking for for us. A life where you can actually hear what he has to say about himself and about what wonderful things he has to say about you, and about how he views others with eyes of grace, when you tend and I tend to look at others with eyes of condemnation. That happens as we sit in his presence. And as our minds begin to be renewed, then we will desire more and more to live lives of Christ-likeness, and we'll be able to, because the old lives will be broken and removed, that used to keep us chained and paralyzed. I hope this is the kind of life that we are all wanting to live. The life that Paul is painting. It's really simply about abiding in Christ and staying connected and giving him access to our lives and structuring our lives so that he has access. It's the type of life that I want for me. And it's the type of life that I want for you. A life of renewal, friends, does not happen by accident. It takes being available to the Holy Spirit and participating with His activity. Now let me give you a commercial because we believe so much about this around here. We have two awesome opportunities coming up that can be huge helps in making this 
the reality in your life. In September, again, as we renew our, our Christian education program, we'll be starting again our new year of, of two classes in particular that I want to mention. The Trek, Monday nights, 6.30 to 8.30. It's all about transformation. And then Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8, the apprenticeship series, the good and beautiful God classes that I teach. Both of these classes, that are they're long. The apprenticeship series is nine months. The trek is six months every week. But here's what we find out. They're both designed to help with exactly what Paul is dealing with in Ephesians chapter 4. You know what they're designed to do? To deconstruct the old lies and false beliefs that we have in our life. Then create opportunities through spiritual, through spiritual um, exercises. Create, help us understand how to form our lives so that the Spirit can have access into our available hearts and bring renewal. The trek, what it actually does is say a lot of times our hearts aren't available because we're so wounded that we're afraid to let anybody, including God, in. And for six months we help you understand how to even let God in by showing you the wounds that are really there and exposing those things creating opportunities for the Spirit to bring renewal. And then what we do in both classes then is we reconstruct right thinking and right actions. And here's what we're finding is year after year we're doing these things. Lives are literally being transformed. People are saying, I tried this for a long time and it didn't work and I was frustrated. Now they go, throw that out the window. I'm giving God access to my life. Some of these tools are helping. I'm watching heads nod going, yes, you're right, it's helping me saying, but now it's about the internal. And when we get the internal, the external naturally follows. Friends, oh, the joy of a renewed heart. Seeing life differently because of the activity of God deep within. Really knowing love and joy and peace. And that's what God wants for his children. Here's my challenge as we close. Let's on purpose Give the Holy Spirit access to our available hearts. I know that's something you can do on your own, but I'm going to challenge you. And some of you go, oh, I've been a Christian for a long time. Are you still struggling with the same things you did before? Be honest with yourself, not with me. And if you are, I'm going to challenge you. Join the trek or join the apprenticeship experience um, starting in September and learn how to structure your life in a way that gives the Holy Spirit access to your available heart and especially helps you have an available heart. Because what we found is most people don't because of the woundedness of of the world. And so these are designed to help you create an available heart. If you're tired of just trying and beating your head against the wall, why do you think we spend all this money and all this time offering these things? Because they really work. And so in a couple of weeks, Pastor Paul and I are going to be doing a two-part series together. We're going to launch the next part of our what's called Faith Path. And in part of that, I'm going to explain some more about our, our Christian Ed uh, department and programs and what's going to be launching um, in a couple more weeks. Um, so be asking the Lord, God, here's the natural tendency. I don't need any of that. I know it all. Friends, last year, Suzanne and I did Trek. Kristen did Trek. A whole bunch of you, and 42 of you did it with us. And every one of us would say, we were transformed. More than we were... No, it's another step in the process. Not like, oh, this is the silver bullet, but we were transformed in a way none of us have before. Going through the 
apprenticeship series for the first time, the very first time I did it, six years ago probably, it transformed me. And I'm brand new. Pastor Jay is probably tired of me telling him, you've got to read these books. <laughs> we do this because we understand this. All, not about making converts, it's about making disciples. And we want to help you grow on purpose. So let's on purpose give the Holy Spirit access to our available hearts. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us so much that you don't let us dangle in self-effort. Lord, for many of us, including myself, for much of my life, my Christian life was really about just I trying to take off that old, that old coveralls and put on a new one. It was really about just self-effort, trying to, to try harder, work more, get up earlier, read more of the Bible, memorize more, work harder, give more. And Lord, it wasn't leading to a whole lot of transformation. But you're a good and beautiful God. And you don't let us dangle in self-effort. You describe through the Apostle Paul here that, yes, there's a taking off that we do and it takes our effort. And yes, there's a putting on that we do and it takes our effort. But sandwiched in between is the key to it all. Being renewed in the spirit of our mind. Having this spirit transformation that brings wholeness, that brings healing, that brings health, so that we can learn to live out of a place of that, of wholeness and health, goodness. And Lord, my prayer for this church, for your church today, is that God, as we walk with you and partner with you, that truly, Lord, we would become different on the inside and then it would show on the outside. So Lord, we surrender, by an act of, by an act of my will, Lord, I want to surrender these to you, us to you, all of us and say, Lord, help us to have available hearts. Available to you for your goodness and your glory. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, I pray that as we walk out of this place today, that, Lord, we will go with an incredible sense of anticipation and excitement, knowing that it's God's plan, your plan, to make us whole and healthy from the inside out, that as we surrender to you, that God, you amazingly breathe life into us. So let us walk in the goodness of that life of the Spirit and let that shine to a world around us as we love people for you and as you do it through us. Thank you in Jesus' name.